0: We begin uh, this portion of our gathering. I, I want us to take a few moments uh, together and pray. Now, this doesn't make good TV. Uh, there's a lot of dead air, uh, as we would call it, but it makes great church. And I want us to take uh, this season uh, at the beginning before uh, we open our Bibles to hear from God. Uh, in Gospel of Mark. I want us to just take time to pray together. And there are specific things that I'd like for us to pray and encourage you to write these uh, three specific prayer requests down and pray them throughout the week. Uh, They come from Psalm chapter 67. Let me read this Psalm uh, for us. And then I want to encourage you Uh, to uh, with those uh, family members uh, around uh, the room where you are or friends who are like family who have gathered with you, uh, will you just take each point uh, in a few moments as I lead us through and pray uh, through each point specifically. But let's look at Psalm uh, chapter 67. The psalmist says, God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth that your salvation may be known among all the nations let the peoples praise you O God let all the peoples praise you O let the nations be glad and sing for joy for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on the earth. Verse five, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you, then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. As we enter into this time of prayer, I I wanna just lean into verse one right quick. God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Will you, with those who gathered with you or even if you're by yourself, uh, as I am right here, um, will you join me in praying for God's mercy and blessing upon our lives and pray God's mercy and blessing upon those who gathered with you I pray God's mercy and blessing uh, upon our church and upon those who are in our church and pray God's mercy and blessing uh, upon uh, the peoples in the seven cities of Hampton Roads and even around the world will you join me in praying for God's mercy his steadfast love and his blessing right now let's bow our heads and in the room where you are lead in this prayer for God's blessing and mercy. Let's pray together. The psalmist went on as a portion of this prayer for blessing and mercy, verse 2, that your way may be known on the earth and your salvation may be known among all the nations. The psalmist was praying for God to be merciful and bless his people so that those who are not even yet his people may see his rescuing love and perhaps be captured by his rescuing love. In these days, we live in a world uh, all around the world, and people who are lost in hopelessness because they have yet to find the hope that survives all viruses and pandemics. They've yet to find the hope that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Yet we have missionaries, our own Kirk Breeland uh, in Southeast Asia, even now. Uh, we have missionaries all around the world and throughout. Uh, The United States and this church in the seven cities of Hampton Roads and other churches in the seven cities of Hampton Roads, you're a missionary where you are giving voice to God's rescuing love in the land in which we live. Will you pray for God's rescuing love to be made known so that those who are hopeless because they're separated from God might find hope through faith in Christ, that they might see God's ways, and know his salvation will you join me in prayer The psalmist continues in verse 3. He says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him when God's rescuing love is made known to the peoples of the earth, then their hearts are transformed by his grace, uh, by their faith in Jesus Christ. Um, Everything changes because Jesus changes everything. Everything changes. Their perspective, their outlook on life changes. hopelessness is transformed to hope. Mourning is transformed into joy. So will you join me in these next few moments praying for the peoples of the earth to see God's work and in seeing the way of his rescuing love and taking hold of Jesus as Savior and King, would you pray that especially during this time they would find their joy in him? And maybe also... You and I who are followers of Christ, may we find our joy in him in uncertain times as well. Let's pray together. Now, oh God, as we have lifted up our praise and our petition and our intercession before your throne, we are thankful that your Holy Spirit attends to our requests and expands them according to your will. We thank you that even now, when Jesus, our high priest, is pleading for your people um, on our behalf, we thank you that your ear is not dull to our plea and our cry. And so, O oh God, we with confidence declare that yes, you, God, our own God, shall bless us. And as you bless your people, may the watching world see the hope that we have because of our relationship with you through faith in Jesus. May our lives be markedly different rather than racked with anxieties and fears that are so natural to us in this season. May our lives reflect a calm confidence that is found because we know you and we're part of your family and we know that you will bless us and have mercy on us. Now, God, I pray that that the watching world, those who are far from you, and because of the separation that sin has already created, I pray that you uh, would use your people, this church, Eric Thomas, use us to be missionaries of hope to a world that is hurting and searching And longing for hope. May we be ambassadors of that hope that is found only through faith in Jesus Christ. Who left heaven's throne, was born in a manger in a stable, who lived his life perfectly and sinlessly, fully God, yet fully man. So that he might go to a cross in sacrificial service to a sinner like me, Eric Thomas where he died in my place upon that cross. He was buried and was raised from the dead three days later so that I might have forgiveness from my sin and a new life walking in fellowship with him when I placed my faith in Jesus. My life changed. May that be the testimony that transforms our globe today that those who are far from you would find life through faith in Jesus Christ, that they would find their joy in you, and that they would then, in turn, become ambassadors of hope all around the world. May it begin here with First Norfolk and in the seven cities of Hampton Roads. Now be glorified as we open your word together, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Well, we are living in a new day. And this is a weird kind of way to do church, and it's a way that we're doing it this week. We did it last week, the week before. We're going to do it next week this way. Um, We're living in a new day, and it's become a new normal. It's different, but it's become our new normal. Weddings are done differently today. Uh, Funerals are done differently today. Birthday parties are done differently today. Church is done differently today this is our new normal and as challenging as it may be with quarantines and face masks abounding uh, we enter into this new normal and we must live in the new normal Um, as we come to God's Word today and as we think about how Jesus changes everything I want you to turn your attention to mark chapters 9 and 10 Uh, In Mark chapters 9 and 10, Jesus sets up for us a new normal. It's a new normal for everyday life in which we live as followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, We're going to begin... Looking at Mark chapter 10. Then we're going to go back to Mark chapter 9 and see kind of a familiar story there as well. But in Mark chapter 10, uh, beginning in verse 31, uh, 32, 33, and 34, uh, Jesus is predicting his own death on the cross. Jesus saying, I'm going to die. Now, immediately following his prediction of his own death, uh, Jesus then here's James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come up to him and they say, uh, they ask us, ask Jesus, Jesus will you grant us a request that uh, John and James, that we would, one of us sit on your right hand, one of us sit on your left hand when you come into your glory. They're, They're saying, will you give us a place of prominence and status in your kingdom. Jesus just said he's gonna die, uh, but James and John don't hear it, they don't accept it. They are saying, when you come into your rule, let us be one at your right hand, one at your left hand. Kind of presumptuous request, to say the least. Well, Jesus then begins to teach his disciples and set up a new normal. Look in verse 42 of chapter 10. Jesus called his disciples to himself, And he said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones, the ones that are great among them, exercise authority over them. So that's the thing that James and John were asking for. They were saying, let us be one of the great ones, uh, one of your top counselors and advisors. Let us have that seat of authority and, and leadership. Verse 43, Jesus continues. He says, yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. Verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life A ransom for many now make no mistake the disciples had just recently said when Jesus asked who do you say that I am the disciples said you are the Christ you're the son of the living God you're the you're the ruler you're the long expected king that will set this world right Uh, they believe that Jesus is the great one and yet Jesus says to them there's a new normal that I'm establishing for you and for all of my followers and it is a new normal. It's, a, it's something that, that the disciples hadn't heard of too much. I mean, they had somewhat, but only from the lips of Jesus. It's, it's something that the culture in which Jesus lived was, uh, would never have embraced willingly. And it's similar to how we bristle a little bit at this idea that if you want to be great, you must be Last. If you want to be um, uh, first, you must be last. If you want to be great, you must be a servant. Now that kind of idea stands the whole cultural milieu on its head, and 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 it's a new normal that Jesus is establishing. The Greek culture uh, could be defined by Plato in one of his writings. Uh, Plato uh, asked the question, and, and he wrote this before Jesus uh, came in earthly form. But he asked the question: How can a man be happy when he has to serve others? Did you get that? How can a man be happy? when he has to serve others. There's no way, the, Plato was saying, there's no way that if, if you want to be happy, you have to be above, not below. Uh, you might say, well, that's Greek culture. It had to have been different in, in Judaism, but it wasn't different in Judaism either. Uh, the rabbis before the birth of Christ and even during uh, the time of Jesus, they were writing their, uh, their uh, ideas and their thoughts down Uh, And a portion of their ideas and thoughts describe this scene. They're doing everything they can to get the best seats at the table. So that when they get to paradise, they're certain to have the best seats at the banquet feast that God has prepared. So they're setting themselves up as rulers on the earth so that they might be rulers in heaven. You might say, well, that's Greek culture. That's the Judaism. But... Oh my goodness, James and John, here they are, probably influenced by, uh, by the, the teachers of the law, they say, grant us this request, Jesus, one of us sit at your right hand, one of us sit at your left hand. But it wasn't just James and John. We find in Mark chapter 9, uh, verse 34, that the disciples were walking on the road, and while they're walking on the road, they're disputing among themselves and debating among themselves which one's going to be the greatest. Who's going to have second chair to Jesus? It's this kind of idea that greatness is in position and status and stature. It's where the people that are below me define how great I am. But Jesus defines greatness from a different angle. Jesus sets up a new normal for you and me. Jesus makes serving the new normal of our lives as followers of Jesus. Jesus makes serving, that's being below, not above. Jesus makes serving the new normal of our lives, not just an occasional time, not just signing up on a list of of providing certain care for certain people at an occasional time, but serving becomes the lifestyle that followers of Jesus must live. It is our new normal. We find this uh, kind of uh, littered throughout these pages, but going back to Mark chapter nine, um, picking up again uh, in in verse uh, thirty one. The son of man, Jesus is talking, he says, the son of man uh, is being betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him. And after he's killed, he'll rise the third day. Jesus, again, in 931, just as he did in 1033 and 34, Jesus is predicting his own death. He's saying, I'm gonna be killed. Uh, But look at the response of the disciples in verse 32. They did not understand this saying and they were afraid to ask him. So here they hear him talking about his own death but they don't want to ask about it because they, they didn't really want to know what that meant. Immediately following that, verse 33 of chapter 9, Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you were, dis, uh, you were disputing or debating among yourselves on the road? Verse 34, But they kept silent, for on the road they had debated among themselves who would be the greatest. Now, th- this is a, a kind of a comical type picture. Jesus is talking about his own death. Mark 10:45 for the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus has set up this pattern of, of, of self-denial and service. Mark chapter eight. Jesus said, "If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me." And Jesus is setting up this new normal. He's saying, "The Son of Man has come to serve." And not be served. To be here rather than here. But the disciples have still been captured by this this, uh, esprit de corps. This this cultural idea that uh, greatness is about being above, not below. So here they are. They're walking along the road. Jesus just said, I'm going to be killed. But they don't get it. They don't even want to ask about it. Instead, they want to debate who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. James and John in chapter 10, just a few paragraphs later, uh, hours, it seems, almost after this, they say, can, can one of us sit at your right hand? Can the other sit at your left hand? They still didn't get it. So Jesus wants to set up a new way of viewing greatness in life and how to live life as his follower. And it's it's... To you and to me. now an interesting setting here he comes to Capernaum and he comes to a particular house we know it's a particular house because that's the construction of the language and 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 if you remember in in mark chapter 1 at the beginning of Mark's gospel and in mark chapter 2 Jesus is in Capernaum and they're hanging out at a house probably Peter's mother-in-law's house they're they're in this particular house now in chapter 9 they come back to this same house and Jesus sits down in the in, in the chair and he calls his disciples around him and he begins to teach them about a new normal. And in the same way, Jesus, right where you are, you're gathered around a television or around a computer screen or around a a cell phone and you're, you're listening to Jesus begin to speak and he's gathered you around him right now in your home with your family or friends or friends who are like family And he says, now let me teach you about a new normal. And as he begins to teach, we begin to learn what our lives should look like as followers of Jesus, the new normal for us. Look at verse 35 of chapter 9. If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. What's he saying there? He's saying that we pursue greatness by serving others. A servant is the person who waits on tables. That's the picture of that word. It's it's me particularly looking for a person to serve. And and that is the picture that Jesus sets. If we're going to be uh, first, then we must be last and we must be servant. But he also adds this phrase, we must be last of all and servant of all. Now what that means is when I walk into a room or in my house, I look at everybody around me not as people who are to serve me, but as people to whom I owe my service. That's what greatness looks like. We pursue greatness when we determine that everybody I encounter is the somebody that Jesus has assigned for me to serve. Now, this is countercultural to the way we do life because so often we, look in, we walk into a restaurant, we're looking at the people that are supposed to be serving us. But instead, Jesus says, when you walk into a restaurant, you need to be viewing even the person that's taking your order as the person that God has placed you there to serve. We're here to serve. That's how we pursue greatness. We pursue greatness by serving others, uh, being last of all servant of all. I, I can't emphasize that enough because it, it, it means that I am to be the servant of my wife. I'm to be the servant of my children. I'm to be the servant of this church. I'm to be the servant of the stranger. I'm to be the servant and, uh, of, of, of the person I know and the person I don't know, the person that's a close friend and the person that's not a friend. I'm to be the servant at, of all We pursue greatness by serving. The second thing this teaches us, verse 35, is that serving others is baked into faithfully following Jesus. Now, serving others is baked into what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus. Now, why do I say that? Well, because when Jesus uses the term servant, he is pinpointing one of the characteristics of his his DNA that he's passing on to his people. This isn't the only place where he talks about being a faithful servant by a a faithful follower of his by serving others. Um, But but it's baked into his life. The reason Jesus came not to be served but to serve is because of the great commandment that directed his steps and must direct ours. In, In Mark chapter 12, Jesus is approached by an attorney. He says, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus says, the greatest commandment of all is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, he is one. Therefore... You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second liken to it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this is the greatest command. This is the DNA that directed the steps of Jesus. And it must be the DNA that directs our steps. We're going to love God supremely. But as part of that command of loving God supremely is also loving others Sacrificially, How do we love others? We love others by sacrificially serving them for their blessing. So when Jesus says the Son of Man has come to not to be served but to serve and he says to us, if you want to be the greatest of all or the, if you want to be first, you need to be last. If you want to be greatest, you must be servant. He is defining what it looks like to love others sacrificially, love our neighbor as ourself. It's baked in to to who we are. If we are indeed a follower of Jesus, then we're going to love God by loving others, and we love others by serving them. Not every person who serves others is a follower of Jesus, but every faithful follower of Jesus must serve others. Serving others is baked in to who we are as followers of Jesus. Now, look down in verse 37, 36 and 37. Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus took a little child, verse 36, took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Now, what's he talking about there? Well, he's saying that uh, we honor God by serving others. And get the picture here, the child, when he brings a child and puts him on his lap. Now, again, this is in your living room right now. Jesus takes one of the children, and he puts him on his lap, and he says, okay, you see this child. Now, in the culture in which Jesus lived, and sometimes in the culture today, that child uh, is uh, valued very little, the least of these. Uh, and Jesus takes that child, and he says, all right, so here's what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, you may think you're somebody, but you're not somebody if you're not serving this child who can do nothing for you. You're not somebody if you're not serving this child the way Jesus has served me. Oh, see, uh, we look at a child and we may say, well, I, when they grow up, then then." i'll start thinking about serving jesus says no to the disciples here's what you need to do you need to make it your priority to serve the one who can't do anything for you now when we serve people who can't do anything for us jesus says it's like you're serving me you're receiving the child you're serving the child he says if you receive and serve the child then you're receiving and serving jesus and if you're receiving and serving jesus then you're receiving and serving god the way we honor god in part is by serving others. Again, this is baked in. Uh, The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Loving your neighbor as yourself, serving even the least of these, serving the one that can't do anything for you, serving the one that in uh, today's economy of values might say, well, that's not a very important person. Jesus says, yes, every person you encounter, that's an important person. And we honor God by serving them. And Finally, Jesus uh, says, uh, lets us know that, that we look a lot like Jesus when we serve others. When we serve others, we look a lot like Jesus. Remember again what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, 42 uh, through 45. He said, okay, the Gentiles or the people who are not part of God's family, they think this way. They think that you are important because you have a lot of people that answer to you. He says, not true. He said, that's not the way it's going to be in your life talking to a disciples, talking to you and me. He said, you're important when you are last, not first, when you're servant uh, of all. And after all, the model of that picture is the model of Jesus himself. For the son of man, even the son of man, he says, the son of man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, what does that mean? It means here's how Jesus lived his life. Jesus is the great one. He is the son of man, the son of God. He is the king, the Messiah. Jesus is the great one. Yet he determined that in his greatness, he would express that greatness by serving others. And how did he serve? By giving his life a ransom for many. Now ransom may not communicate to where you are today, but let me just tell you what he was saying Being a ransom is literally giving away yourself in the place of someone else so that that other might be blessed by your sacrifice. A ransom is, uh, you think of it uh, like you would see on a television show or whatever. Somebody is held hostage, and in order to get them out of that hostage situation, you have to pay a ransom. Jesus says that you and I have been held hostage by our sin, and the only way that we can find rescue is through Jesus Himself being. The ransom. He gave his life as he hung upon a cross. He was paying the price for my freedom. That's sacrificial service for the sake of someone else. If Jesus lived that way, then you and I must live that way. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We give ourselves sacrificially in service to others, and we look a lot like Jesus when we serve. Um, it, another passage that just mentioned john chapter 13 is this powerful picture and this is the night that jesus is betrayed he meets with his disciples in an upper room and he 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 brings them into that upper room and he begins to wash their feet something that a a a teacher would never have done in jewish circles but jesus did it. it it was uncomfortable for the disciples this is the guy that they honored and here he's washing their feet at the end of washing their feet, Jesus asked, do you know what I've done for you? And, and then he continues and he says, if I, being your master, will wash your feet, then you also ought to wash one another's feet. Jesus said, if I'm the master and I'm, gonna, I'm going to serve you like this, then you who are my followers must serve others the way I've served you. Today, I want to encourage you to be like Jesus and serve others. Well, what does all this mean uh, for, for us today? What does this mean in, in our everyday life, especially as we're uh, dealing in this, uh, with the season of COVID-19? What, what does serving the new normal, what does that mean for us in everyday life? Well, the first thing it means is that we need to embrace our new normal. Uh, we need to embrace this new normal that Jesus has set before us. Uh, We are called to serve. And we're called to serve at all times for everyone else. When we walk into a room, we need to understand that, that we're not the big dog in the room, but rather we're the lowly servant in the room. We're not there to be seen or heard as much as we're there to bend our knee and wash some feet. Where you work, at your school, in your neighborhood, here at the church... Walking down the street, embrace the new normal. Greatness comes through serving. As we embrace that new normal, let me, let me repeat again. Not everyone who serves is a follower of Jesus, but every person who is a faithful follower of Jesus will be about serving other people. We will sacrificially give ourselves to bless the other. So uh, embrace the new normal. The second thing is we need to ask the right question. You see, so often we ask the question, why did that person not serve me? Or uh, why are they not doing for me the way I deserve to be done? Why why aren't they taking care of my needs? I understand that question, I've asked that question, but that's the wrong question in this new normal that Jesus has set up for us. The right question is the life that Jesus lived. The Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve. So what's the right question? When we walk into a room or when we're with our family right now, we need to look around that room of family and friends and we need to say, how can I serve you? How can I serve you? How can I serve you? Uh, We need to be about the business of serving others the way Jesus has served us. Uh, This uh, COVID-19 situation and the quarantining and all that has really set up an opportunity for us uh, to serve others faithfully. And One of those examples, not only do we have a, a group of wonderful ladies uh, who are in the process right now of making more masks uh, for our local hospitals, and they are, they are wearing their machines out doing that very thing, Uh, We also have uh, our members who are faithfully committed asking the right question, how can I serve others? I got this email. It came came to me a couple of times removed from one of our members. And this is the email. I'm just going to read it to you. This person writes, Perhaps there are people who are being offered video conferences with their healthcare providers rather than face-to-face appointments. And the people don't have the hardware, internet service, or technology confidence to participate in these video conference calls. Listen, I am currently going to one man's house and setting him up with my equipment and creating an internet hotspot so he can do his video appointments. And I'm staying with him through the video appointment. Then this, if you know of people who need help with video appointments, I'm willing to assist them. That's a person who's living like Jesus, a faithful follower, serving by asking the right question, how can I serve you? The last thing I would say, and perhaps the most important, is we need to point people to Jesus. You see, the reality is we don't serve just so we can serve. We serve so that we can let people see who Jesus is. We serve in order to bless people, but in blessing, we want them to understand and see that this is who Jesus is. We want to point them to Jesus Christ who provides the greatest service for every human heart. That even though I have been separated from God by my sin, Jesus came Not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom. Taking my place upon a cross. Paying the price for my freedom. Jesus died for me. He was raised from the dead so that I can have new life. Now, friends, when we serve other people, we need to serve other people. Always with the intent and the mind, I'm going to help point them to who Jesus is. Because Jesus alone changes everything. This morning, if you're within the sound of my voice and you're listening to all this and and there seems to be a disconnect between god and yourself if you're here today and and you have become acutely aware that this personal relationship with god is out of your reach you see yourself separated from god he's at a distance he's not up close My friends, I'm here to tell you that God has offered a way of forgiveness and connection with himself through Jesus. That's what Mark 10, 45 is all about. The son of man, Jesus said. He said, I've come not to be served, but to serve, to give my life a ransom for many. The reason we're distanced from God is because of our sin. Our sin has separated us from a holy God and there is no uh, religious ritual that can fix that distance. The chasm between us and God is fixed by our sin, our rebellion against him, but God in his great grace sent Jesus on a mission to take the penalty and punishment of our sin, to build a bridge between us and God by his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And if you today will place your faith in Jesus, if you'll turn from your sin and trust in Jesus as your only hope of rescue, you trust in Jesus as the Savior, as, uh, as, the, uh, as the only way for you to come into a relationship with God, if you will place your faith in Jesus, the Bible says that you will be rescued, that you'll be brought into God's family And Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says that whoever uh, confesses that Jesus is Lord and believes in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be rescued. And John chapter 1 says, but as many as receive Jesus, as many as believe on him, place their faith in him, God gives them the right to be part of his family. If you will call upon Jesus... Cry out to him in this moment for rescue, placing your faith and trust in him, turning from your sin, then you can be saved. If that is the cry of your heart, then I want to encourage you and invite you to pray a prayer. Now, there's nothing magical about the words of this prayer. Uh, What is important is the attitude, the desire of your heart. If you desire to enter into a friendship with God, by placing your faith and trust in Jesus and realizing that Jesus is your only hope for rescue, you're ready to turn from your sin and trust in Jesus, then let this be the cry of your heart as you seek forgiveness and a new life that he offers. Make this be your prayer. Oh God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and my sin has separated me from you, but I believe that you sent Jesus on a mission of rescue. That Jesus, who is fully God, became man. He lived perfectly without sin so that he might go to the cross and become ransom for me. To set me free. He was raised from the dead to give me new life. So today, oh God, I turn to you. And I turn away from my sin and I trust in Jesus. Jesus. And I ask you to apply the forgiveness that Jesus purchased on the cross, apply it to my life, that I might be forgiven forever for my sin. And I pray that you, O oh God, would give me new life because I've trusted in Jesus today. Thank you, God. For giving me this rescue and it's in the name of Jesus we pray amen if that is the prayer that you just prayed and it's the cry of your heart then I invite you to text Jesus to the number on your screen and we will follow up with you to help you in your next steps as a follower of Jesus today God wants to change your life through Christ and he's given us the church the opportunity to be an instrument of his change in the lives of others. But that happens as we serve others the way our Savior has served us.